Hey, I'm Parker Lennon. And this is Chuck Stack. And you're listening to Fact Fitness. Use fitness as a goal for something we wanted to do, and it allowed us to do things like rock climbing and surfing and, and do it in a fun way. Things you should question yourself about before you compete. Everybody's different. And yeah. so if you think you're going to be just like that study, or you think you're going to fall directly into that category, you're probably wrong. I follow doctors and certain trainers that are PhDs and stuff so that I can get what they're doing their research on. High game is the relentless pursuit of meeting new people. Yeah. <laughs> this or, is like killing a million little organisms <laughs> at a time. I was in a really bad place, but what got me through was fitness, number one, and secondary was meditation and really good friends, of course. Anyways, so you guys that are joining us on Facebook Live, um, today we are going to be talking about extreme sports athletes and the yeah. fact that uh, they have quite a unique life. I'm just gonna hype you the whole time. We can, yeah. we can, we're yeah. gonna fill you in on on exactly that and how uh, how much the lifestyle is different and how we were just talking about on our, our other Facebook Live and our Q and A about yeah. how uh, micro periodization is kind of the biggest thing that we've uh, focused on. So it's the biggest thing that's helped us um, through our career as being an extreme sports athlete. But there's definitely some things that you need to focus on that is much different than a normal athlete. And it can actually help in other aspects and other sports, but we're going to fill you in on those things. Yeah. So um, if you, Jesus, I ruined my volume of this really fucking loud. Um, <laughs> okay. So um, if you don't know what micro periodization is, it's more of a, you're not looking at it at the long term. You're not looking at it for like months on end. You're actually looking at it day to day, changing up, you know, between endurance, power, um, and more of your strength training when there's other elements too, but those are, it's kind of a different like day-to-day approach as opposed to your longer program where you might be stuck in like, um, just strength training at a certain amount of reps and, uh, sets for like a month. Yeah. One of the technical term terms here is the, the say, I think it's cellies. I've heard that before, but it's like cellies periodization. It's like basically micro periodization. Um, and it, for the most part, people get this confused with just kind of going at it and, and adding a lot of variety. But when we talk about periodization, it's taking a long-term uh, plan into having kind of an off-season, pre-season, in-season, and a post-season. So um, there's very big differences in all of those things. And as an extreme sports athlete, especially an athlete in Florida, you sometimes don't have an off season. So that's why breaking these things up into smaller phases that you're addressing on almost a daily basis, it can really help you be more effective in your training. So focusing on things like stability, strength, power, skills, and rest. Those are kind of the biggest things that I feel like are variables that you need to focus on. Um, as far as, as getting into those different phases, sometimes you're combining two elements into a workout to where you have some strength components, some power components. Um, strength, power training is definitely more effective and better at stimulating muscle fiber done at the beginning of workouts. So if you want to be really focusing on your power output as an athlete, and that's something that extreme sports athletes 
are is very powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, pound for pound, they tend to be some of the strongest athletes. And they have a lot of uh, little skinny bastards that can just like throw their body weight around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think of it like a skateboarder. And yeah. Like they squat down and they pop off the coping 12, 14, you know, sometimes 20 feet up into the air. So, and that's, it's just, that's on like a, you know, half five that's between 12 and 16 feet tall. Yeah, and then landing you know, and having to focus on having the motor skills to land smoothly and the skill and the knowledge to be able to transition well and where your body position needs to be there is no real functional training for extreme sports um and it's very hard to to train for motions um that you're going to see in your in your element okay this is what i'm going to i think we should segue into this specificity versus um your actual training protocol we like strength training it's a part of everything that we do it's always been a part of everything we've done as extreme sports athletes but you are not going to get better at bmx racing by only training in the gym. Right. As a matter of fact, BMX racing requires a lot of technical skill about riding your bike, um, you know, and there's a lot that goes into it as far as just being on the track and actually experiencing that, and that goes with any sport. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like a pilot. You you want to be as familiar as you can with any situation you're going to see on race day. So, being an extreme sports athlete, you have to find and you're you're going to see when you know, everything's going kind of haywire and you need to know what to do when you're in a full man gate and the guy right next to you goes down or bumps you in the ribs or, you know, you get put up a turn or over the you turn. fall <laughs> and you have to get up and yeah. you have to finish the race because you're still in a qualifying position. You know, there's, those are things that you can't train for, uh, in the gym. You know, you have to in practice and having a good environment and surrounding yourself with a group of people that are going to help you progress and, um, push your skills to the limit or that's what's going to help you sometimes be a better racer so that's what we're talking about with periodization is incorporating skills and specifically in the micro periodization is how do you incorporate the skills in, along with um, a training routine so we, we talked about some of the elements the strength the power the skill stability even so how would you incorporate that stuff well I like to focus on skill days in less intensity. So if I'm focusing more on abs or arms or I'm focusing on you know not doing a lot of heavy squats that day, those are the days that I want to do focus on my skills or go to practice and you know go to the BMX track and pick three things that I want to do whether it's manually a jump or jumping a jump or you know getting out of the gate going full speed over a certain jump, you know, and just really focusing on uh, special elements that are gonna, I'm going to see in the race time, or you know, focusing on your rhythm section, uh, focusing on your gates, focusing on powering out of turns, uh, hitting good lines and turns. There's, I mean, and that goes with, like I said, any other sport. Um, if you're talking football, it's football season right now. You know, you're going to work on your snap. You're going to work on um, your QB sneak. You're going to work on um, the power coming out of the snap. You know, there's very specific elements that go with that specific sport. Um, and I think what you were going into is when we're training athletes that we know that they're doing these type of sports, there's kind of two different things that we look at, right? Um, there is the sports specific training exercises that kind of correlate with that. And then there are also the exercises that they're not doing that need to balance out their body. So like if you're looking at a, uh, like let's say a volleyball player, they're gonna have, you know, very focused on jumping um, it's a very big part of the whole entire game that they're doing. They're spiking with one arm, 
they're down on a certain side with, with one leg forward. So you need to work on the imbalances, but also if they want to become better at, you know, spiking over the net, you need to work on the vertical. Yeah. And that's exactly it. There's, there's a lot of components that, that need to be incorporated in extreme sports. And a lot of times extreme sports athletes train multiple times in yep. a day. Um, and that's exactly why is because, you know, maybe in one part of the day, you're focusing on your, all your skills. And then the other part, you're actually getting your workout. That's going to be, um, translated in your, your skills. So, you know, Bubba Stewart, you, did you ever watch his show when he was recovering from his uh, surgery? He said, because he was doing a lot of long distance riding. Um, so he was doing road biking, which I hate, but I do. Um, and then he was doing a lot of, um, specific workout stuff so it was doing like you know squats deadlifts um you know pulling pushing and he had a personal trainer that would come over every day and help him and he's trying to recover also at this time but he couldn't be on a motorcycle because he wasn't fully healed so it was in a very specific protocol but he attributed that to getting back in the season and doing so well so there is a lot of uh you know translation from the exercise that was not skills based that translated over that um, so another thing too, um, besides the training is mindset. Yeah. And that's huge. That's something that I always worked out with all of my athletes is, you know, you really have to, um, know how to control yourself in any situation because in, especially as an extreme sport, you might make a mistake that scares you and gets you really shooken up and you have to be able to calm yourself and focus on the task at hand. And that's sometimes one of the hardest things to do is that, you know, somebody gets in your head before the gate or you look at your moto sheet and you're like, oh, man, I've got so and so in my 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 main, you know, this guy's world number seven. This guy's world number three. This guy's first in the nation. You know, like you see those type of people mm -hmm. and you automatically like start beating yourself up and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't beat this guy. What am I going to do? You know, and and that doesn't help anything rather than you just focusing on the task at hand. And that is a mentality that needs to be practiced. Um, it's, uh, it, and sometimes you have that mindset in your head, sure. like, a, like a motorcycle that's just high revving that goes by. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's easy to get distracted in any situation and working on focus and the tasks that can, or the, the skills and the different things that can keep you focused, or that's just, a, that's another component that is something that we should talk about with this because, uh, a lot of people, you know, overlook the psychological aspect in any sport. You know, you look at a triathlon, you go into the swim, you're heart rate's going to be increased because you're breaking out of a swim with 50, 100, 200 people, sometimes 500 people at a time. Sometimes and thousands yes, of people. Sometimes <laughs> thousands of people. And it gets your heart rate up. Oh, you yeah. have to be able to deal with that. So uh, I told some one of my friends, he was doing a triathlon not long ago, and that was one of the things that he was asking about. He's like, so what about the swim? And I'm like, dude, you need to practice going through all different components of your race because everyone's going to shake you up in its own way. You know, like you're going to have different elements of every part of a triathlon that's going to affect you mentally in a different way. So just being familiar with that transition mentally and, and knowing I've got to do this for this and I've got to focus on this for this and then focus on this for this will really help you in the actual race time situation. Yeah. So where I was kind of going with mindset too is, uh, you know, it takes a certain type of person to want to hop on, you know, a motorcycle and jump over really big jumps and, uh, you know, at a really fast, you know, mile per hour. And same thing with BMX. It's, you know, a high risk sport. You wreck more probably than you actually finish in the main. Um, 
And the big thing that kind of has translated for Chuck and I to the gym and the thing that doesn't happen that it, most people have anxiety, right? About going into the gym and trying new things and failing in front of people. We spent our childhood busting our ass. And I mean, literally like falling on our face in front of people. <laughs> and I'm not scared to try anything. Like yeah. I will literally, if somebody's like, you can jump off this cliff, cliff and you won't die. I'm like, well, Sweet. fuck, I'm going to backflip it. it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like and there's not a lot that scares me. And when people are like, are you scared of heights? I'm like, no, not really. I, I kind of like that feeling. I love that surge of adrenaline that comes to me. And then there's the other component. I think that the one thing that's different about us than the average athlete is when we commit, we fucking dial in and we're like, either I do this or I die. And that whole mindset of just being confident in yourself and knowing that you're going to either stick the line or you're going to die doing it is totally different than any other sport. And that's why I like, you know, how we grew up. Yeah. It's funny how that translates in, in real life. And it, it, it makes you not very afraid of a lot of elements of life because you realize that it, a lot of the discomfort and a lot of what we kind of like spin ourselves out about is in our own head, you know, like any of the things that really upsets us or really, you know, throws us off of like our focus or off of our groove. It it's, it's in our head, you know, and, and that's a big component of the, the, training and of extreme sports is, you know, it's not if you get hurt, it's when you get hurt, you know, and having that constant suspense is hard enough on you. But when you actually do get injured, you know, being psychologically strong and realizing that you need to focus on the task at hand and that's getting better. And that can really help drive you in any situation. And in real life, it really helps. And that's something that I think Parker and I have gotten used to is falling down a couple times and getting right back up, brushing yourself off, getting on the horse and going at it again. I think I've had a bazillion Facebook posts about that. Yeah. But I, I think you said it both uh, best in a, a previous podcast we had, you know, you can lay in bed at night and get as much adrenaline as, as somebody that's about ready to jump out of a plane. I think that we have more control over that than some of the average people. And I'm not saying that we're better or anything. I just think that from the sports that we did, that's kind of the different approach. So you know, when it comes to trying something new or really pushing it to the edge, we're like, holy shit, this is awesome, dude. Let's try it. Um, and that, that doesn't matter if it's, you know, downhill mountain biking or if it's, you know, jumping on a snowboard or if it's trying out a new cliff or um, traveling, just jumping in head first is kind of the effect of growing up that way. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a, a pretty unique upbringing, um, but it's it's actually a painful one too. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, and I, I've had a lot of injuries, you know, from from we my extreme have. sports, but I have no regrets. Also, and uh, it's been a great lifestyle, and it's really, like I said, it's prepared me for a lot of stuff that um, has come up in a real life situation. Um, to not be nervous, you know, and to charge stuff full speed and not, you know, it's when you back off sometimes that you get hurt the most. So, and I can say like, you know, driving in Florida, right. You know how hard it is during snowbird season, which it is right now. I've had some situations where it's like slam on the brakes, dodge something. And I think that, that whole mindset comes back in and everything slows down. You make the right moves. You grab the e-brake because I drive a stick and you make things work and you don't, 
get in a wreck and i shouldn't say that because now i'm gonna probably get hit by somebody soon well it's interesting you say that because <laughs> i got when i was 16 or 17 years old i got hit head on by by a drunk driver and when that happened there were so many things racing through my head after the event but i the two things that were distinct is i was like you know what my whole life has brought me to this situation and to to help me respond properly to this situation because the driver and I were heading head on. He turned into my lane and if I would have veered off to go the normal way off the road, you know, like to the, the sidewalk side, we're in the US, so that's going to be the right side, passenger side. He would have hit me directly. My, the motor compartment was pushed past the front seats on my passenger side. So I would have been dead and, you know, turning to the left was a response that happened like that, you know, and if I hadn't had that, a lot of times that jerk response or that dodging of people laying in front of me on the BMX track, I may not have survived that car accident. And, you know, it was exactly that and playing, you know, linebacker in football or guard or playing football in general and just having to make those really quick responses mm -hmm. saved my life in that situation. So it's, uh, it's amazing that, you know, you can kind of relate a lot of these things, but um, if you train well enough, it can really parlay into saving your life one day. And mine, uh, I've talked about it before. I got hit by a truck on my bicycle, actually, uh, commuting home in college from work. And uh, I got hit in rush hour traffic on the opposite side of the road. I, I couldn't cross, so I couldn't be on the normal side riding my bike. And there was no bike lanes. Um, and I got T-boned, hit in my left side. It broke my leg, tore my ACL, flipped me upside down threw me in the middle of the intersection, no helmet on, landed on my head, got launched in the air, um, thrown about like 20 something feet. And I attribute not having my head um, splattered on the ground like a scrambled egg to every time that I wrecked. And in that moment, I had so many thoughts because you're, when people talk about your, your brain slowing down, you have so much time to think when you've been through it time and time again. Um, as soon as I hit the ground, even with the broken leg, I hopped back up because I knew I was in the middle of the intersection in rush hour traffic. Um, and luckily, I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't, I, I won't attribute it to anything, but I didn't get hit by another car. Um, so that was a plus because that's all I could think about in the air. And I think all of that, just like you said, Chuck, you know, is attributed to what we did back in the day and just having that quick reaction time and knowing that I need to tuck my head in, not break my neck, um, you know, try to roll into my fall. And it all happened instantaneously. There was nothing to prevent that. Yeah. So getting back on onto the just the life of an extreme sports athlete, um, you know, that's why rest and recovery is such a big component of yeah. it is because not only do you need to perform mentally, just like we were talking about in those scenarios, but you also have to give your body the recovery from a hard training and from maybe some of the previous injuries that you have. And that's something that I've realized as I've become a more mature athlete is I have to actually incorporate more rest now in order for me to respond better, you know, in order for me to have those gains, you know, and be able to put on muscle mass or even lean out. I have to have my proper rest, even if it's uh, having the mental cognition to go to school or to focus on clients. Those are all things. And I'm so much more aware of those little elements in my life, in my daily routine. If I'm tired in the afternoon, if, it, if I got all my meals in, if I, you know, focus on any of my skill aspects, but it's, it's a constant juggle juggling of whether you're doing the right thing. And just like a MMA fighter, or just like somebody that, uh, trains on, on a very large volume scale, 
um, sometimes you go to bed at night and you're thinking about a thousand things, you know, you're you're thinking about like, man, did I pull for that jump? Right. Is there something I can do faster? You know, like did I do everything in my training that I could today? Oh man, I missed a meal. You know, like you're thinking about all these things. And like Parker just mentioned, we can create a lot of anxiety, you know, amongst ourselves just laying in bed to the point where you're actually getting more adrenaline going than somebody that's getting ready for an extreme sport or jumping a jump for the first time or jumping out of a plane for the first time. So yeah, I think what adds to that too, going right back to the mental thing, um, you need to recover adrenaline, you know, your, uh, adrenaline your system. Needs, yeah. You need to, um, CNS fatigue would be huge, you know, and adrenaline fatigue would be huge with these sports, which we didn't know when we were younger. Right. Um, but we I was definitely just know say, now. If I, if I knew that when I was younger, I would have been such a better racer. Oh, yeah. Just because I would have been uh, much better prepared and my nervous system would have... Uh, would have responded better in, in any so if situation. So we have kids that race. We can be like, dude, you're, you've got to do some yoga. <laughs> you've got to do some meditation. And they'll be like, what the hell? Like, you're going to surf today. You're not allowed to touch your bicycle because today's a day of meditation. Just chill out, sit in the waves, see some dolphins. Yeah, well, it was interesting because uh, I didn't realize that until I'd gotten through probably my fifth or sixth trainer as a BMX racer. I had this guy, PH from France, design my program. I trained Jason Bennett at the time to help make me a better racer. And he was the first person that, it, like, it'd be like Wednesday, rest in like big R E S T, like across the whole schedule. Like it would be a full page of the four letters rest. And he, like, on the phone conversation and everything, he, like, describes it. He's like, don't do anything nothing (laughs) play video games lay in bed watch tv do nothing and that's like until i got to that point and once i started realizing like oh wow you know if i rest on this day my squats are better the next day or my sprints are faster the following day or i feel better at the track or i'm you know able to focus better you know at school and it was just it really brought a different element to training that i had never realized and i mentioned another story about my buddy cj mcguire when he trains he always wears a watch and it was about rest intervals during his squat sessions that actually showed me that like hey you need to focus on this stuff so that you can perform better on your next set your next training day your next race whatever it may be and i see so many people train all the way up to a race or train all the way through a weekend or finish a race on sunday and monday they're in the gym and they're trying to hit it hard again and you're like dude take today off you know how many times you remember though we'd go Tuesday practice, Thursday practice, Friday double race, Saturday double race, right. Sunday double race, oh, and yeah. we were driving an hour, two hours <laughs> each way, you know, and, and we didn't know better. And let me tell you, when you're doing specificity training and you're racing constantly, we went from like average racers as kids to expert, like, you know, really obviously quickly. you, you continued on and like almost, did you, did you go? I signed, pro. I signed up as pro to be able to practice for free. <laughs> that, was, that was my thing. I got cold feet when it came to actually yeah. competing because uh, I, it started taking the fun out of it. When yeah. I started thinking of myself as like a professional racer, I was like, uh, this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. Like, I have to be job. that level. Yeah. And like, if I didn't feel comfortable jumping a jump or something at that race, I was like, 
I was forced to have to do it as a professional racer. So I didn't do that. I actually continued to race some open races and stuff at that time, but I got injured before I got the opportunity to race as a pro. So, um, yeah. And I, I think, you know, and I was actually like pro in ABA, but not an MBO. I was, <laughs> yeah. but it's cause I signed up at one of the tracks. So if a funny thing, if you ever, cause BMX is an Olympic sport. It used to be NBL ABA. And NBL was always a bigger organization, and that's who we raced for, and that's how all the tracks in Florida were. It was like, kind of like East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. And the NBL was like the big burly jumps that were going to get you hurt, and the yeah. ABA was like the fast rollers that you're going to get hurt just because you're going so damn fast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'd have, we'd have jumps. We're, we're like 13, 14 years old. We're hit, trying to hit these triples that are like 30 feet long or longer pro sections. We're you know, 13, 14 trying to hit this stuff, and we raced so much that we got to the point where we could. We're like just launching ourselves like hey i got down the uh, pro section today are you gonna do it chuck's like uh yeah i guess so yeah right i'd <laughs> be like ah guilt trip each can other can i manual through this <laughs> like, like no chuck there's a hole yeah no chuck there's a 20 foot hole between where you need to jump so um but yeah it was uh it was fun i have some cool pictures from it and cool memories yeah um i still go out to the bmx track every once in a while and ride but i tried i when i got injured this, this last time i realized that my potential as a professional athlete was not the same as my potential to help many people become professional athletes. That's true. And that's, so I took my focus from being on myself as an athlete to being on my clientele. And that was exactly what I was trying to get out of becoming a personal trainer. I want to just help people, um, with the mistakes that I made, you know, or, or learn from mistakes that they might be making or may have made in the past and do things more efficiently and more effective more and more than anything yeah and I, we both got into kind of segues of it i went into mountain biking more as a a triathlon specific thing um i never had any intention of doing mountain biking but i loved off-road triathlons and um i loved riding bikes but not in a straight line on the road and so I ended up in um, off-road triathlons and started mountain biking a ton. And then Chuck, at the same time, was doing more mountain biking because, well, you don't have the jump stuff. And when you race, you're usually by yourself, so you don't get hurt as much. Um, so we still ride. Um, and we ride together sometimes. I need to get a new bike. But, um, yeah, there's a lot to go. If Let's say if you're, like, a surfer or, you know, somebody that was into, like, diving diving is an extreme sport too i would consider it right yeah you can, no, there's so I mean, many things you can do from that you would know better than me but try <laughs> belly flopping off of a 30-foot platform yeah <laughs> but that doesn't feel good yeah uh no but it, it segues into like rock climbing and um you know i think eventually we'll probably both get into like more like jumping out of planes i i would love to get into that um snowboarding was one that i never thought i would do until i moved out to california um and it's all segues from the extreme sports that we did when we were a kid. Um, and so I guess what the big takeaway um, is that what you do when you grow up and your perspective on things is very influenced by that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, our buddy Nick Britt, he's a, a professional racer and he's just talking about how um, you know, in class, he, his mind will start wandering and he'll, his heart rate will just start going. And, uh, it, it's, it, it's something that never leaves your blood. Like I remember my dad, when I was a kid, he said, you know what? It's, 
you've got the bug. You know, because my dad raced motorcycles when I was a very small kid, and um, that was something that he he it it was it, once you start racing, like once you once you start you start you once you once you once you see to see a green light and it just it just everything turns on and you just like you go you know and it's just when you don't stop until you get to the finish line and that's something that's so translational in real life is that you know once uh. Once you really get going or once you get out of the gate, it helps you accelerate and it helps you stay focused. And these are things that will always carry on in the rest of your life. And there is, mark my words, and you can ask any BMX racer, the BMX family is so strong and so big. Those are our friends and those continue to be our friends. I have so many friends that I could be like, hey, could I go, could I stay on your couch? You know, like, yeah. I'm going to be in your area, you know, coming up. Do you mind if I hang out with you? You know, and like, they're going to be more than willing because, and th- we may not even have spoken to each other in 10 years, you know, 15 years, but yeah. because we shared that experience and that we have that same common ground, um, it was such a great life and it was such a great childhood that, uh, it's something that I definitely recommend for anybody because, um, extreme sports, although there are a lot of risks to the reward, um, there is there is just definitely a, a mental component to it that is it, not comparable. I mean, you can't yeah. you can't say like football players. I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't get along with any of my football player buddies, any of my baseball player buddies, any any of these people on the same level that I got with the extreme sports because I was like, you know what, these people get me. You know, like when I go because yeah. because that is the thing. Like when we go on we're on a hundred percent. Like when we're going to paddling into a wave, it's like your life or death, you're dropping into a wave. You might crack your head open in the middle of the water and have to swim, you know, 50 yards, 150 yards, half a mile to, to, <laughs> to water. So it's like all the, despite all the risks, there's always a reward. And, and that's something that is uh really cool about life is that just like Nick was saying in this, you know, it, it really gives you that charge at full speed attitude. And that that's where he agrees with us is that, you know, if, if we didn't have that element of racing, it, it would have never existed to us. You know, we might've been a little bit less confident in how we approach stuff, but that was the thing about BMX is no matter where you stand, no matter what you're doing, you, are trying your, your hardest and at the end of the day that's all that matters yeah and i think you know when i started doing um half ironmans and stuff it for me people were like oh my god it's so hard i'm like no it's it's not at that intensity that we had to do for a minute two minutes on those tracks and like really just get some balls yeah dr jason richardson he he talks about this a lot about how you know like just how to really fix your mindset and how to start focusing on the things that actually matter and how to ignore the things that are just, you know, just getting you stirred up and just making you, you know, more nervous about the situation. So, um, you know, mental component is, is huge and it's just, uh, I think it's really translated to us. Like that's the big takeaway that, that we've got from it is we worked hard when we were kids, you know, we, we were we were working out before it was cool to work out, and it was before it was aesthetic. It was to us our specific sport training, and we had no problem riding 16 miles to the beach on a BMX bike because shit, we got to ride our bikes again, you know. Like, and that to us, we're like, oh, if we go down Bay Vista, there are like <laughs> these uh, sidewalk. Uh, driveways basically (laughs) it's called a six pack you know and we could work on like nose manuals down those and 
you know, there are certain parts that we could go to that would have like that one jump or, um, you know, we built probably hundreds of trails around Sarasota that got tore down within a week or two with just shovels and a bunch of kids that got together and um, threw together some sick jumps. And to this day, if I if I say coastal trails, you know where the fuck that was. Yeah, I mean, coastal <laughs> trails, Philippi. Philippi uh, Creek, yeah. Let's see, the rock over on Proctor Trails. Yeah. There's a video library. You know, Proctor all Trails, dude, Proctor Trails is why I have this uh, slash across my freaking... <laughs> uh, uh, my chest bone here i have a, a permanent scar from that um uh, what was the twin lakes had some yeah twin lakes had some gt bray even had a couple doubles GT for a bray. while yeah i remember going to those <laughs> did we rode to we rode to gt bray one time were you with me yeah that the, so the funny story about i was just telling this story the other day we went to gt bray we rode our bikes all the way to gt bray jump this jump i jumped it landed like completely on my butt like over clearing the first jump and then you had to ride back. I had to ride all the way back. Yeah. I couldn't sit down the whole time. <laughs> I like I'm completely parched at this time. You have to remember, there's not like cell phones or anything, so uh -uh. we couldn't just like call anybody to pick us up or not. We had to ride all the way home. I remember we, pay phones too. We did, I was about we to say, I don't even think I had money that day. And like, cause I remember coming home so extremely parched Thirsty, yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh. And my grandmother was in town at the time. And I like ran up to my grandmother and I like grab her drink out of her hand and like take a huge swig. And it was like straight vodka. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, like spit it all out and stuff. It was just like such a, so that was the, how I was reminiscing about the same story the other day. But yeah, Dude, I, I, will, do I will say this that. too. Like nobody knows what it's like to ride BMX bikes. Six 60 miles in a day 60 miles in a day in <laughs> florida summer for right that, for god's sakes that's like that's unheard of and people are like oh like kids don't do anything or, these days like, they certainly don't do that or going to the races and you know we're wearing leather pants with leather shirts yep with full sleeves gloves high socks a helmet goggles all these things and we're riding for like four five six seven hours yep. straight you know <laughs> like so I, there's even certain like tracks that would host um like ride-a-thons and you'd ride as many laps as you could in like a 12-hour period and well, we just wouldn't stop <laughs> here's a funny story about that i i was they thought i had a heart murmur and went for like one of the physicals for football or whatever and they do the cough test and they grab my balls and whatever and then they're like oh we think you have a heart murmur when they checked with the stethoscope and i was After like cough yeah i think so <laughs> it was my penis actually <laughs> my penis had a murmur uh, it was like, growing no, at the time no no that's just yeah, it, it was probably the nurse was probably hot and I was probably 13. Um, no, but what really happened was they just got it off. But what what basically I had to do is wear this heart monitor. Right. And it was during one of those ride a thons. And so, like, I, I go back and it like all this, all the little pads stay on. Right. And I go back and it's like dirty and stuff. And they're like, so like, what would you do during, during this? I was like, well, I rode at a BMX track for like six hours and like, huh? I was like, I raced. And then I, that was also the, the first weekend that I kissed a girl. <laughs> That's <laughs> with hilarious. That, with so the heart they, monitor. So on. they're probably like, why at 11 PM was your heart rate like <laughs> through the roof? <laughs> like, my heart rate's like way up. It's like, it's like a big red mark where that, that time frame was. Like, can I go back and get that test? Cause I just want to see like where that was like, Oh yep. There it is. All right. Yeah. Right. I know if, if I could just like look through any of my medical stuff, like back in the day, it'd be hilarious. Mostly broken collarbones and shoulders. So, you know what we could talk about too? Um, 
we have recurring injuries from this. And we've talked about working through injuries in a podcast before, but it's been a while. So we'll revisit this real quick. Um, and, it, and this is actually the segue um, I'll use. Today I had a lady come in and she told me I got in a car accident, which you just talked about and I just talked about. We both got in car accidents, not recently, but back in the day. Um, and she said, you know, this happened and this happened and I can't work out anymore. And in my head, I'm, I'm like, I'm screaming inside and I go, what kind of accident? And she said, it was like basically like a fender bender or whatever. Um, and I was like, did you break anything? No. Um, did this happen? Did this happen? No. So there wasn't a serious accident. And in my head, I'm just screaming going, why are you making excuses for why you can't work out? Cause you totally can. I can see that you can. She blamed 50 pounds on this accident. Right. And I'm just like, I'm pissed at this point and I'm trying to help her and I do help her eventually. But what I would say is if you have an accident or if you get injured during your sport, there are ways to work through it and it might not be specific training. You might not be able to do, if you have a broken arm, you're not fucking BMX racing, right? That was the thing. The first time I broke my wrist, I broke both my wrists at the same time. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) I, I trained every morning. I still went to the to the gym. I still did spin. I still did the step mill. I still did my squats. I still did leg press. I still did leg extensions. I still did leg curls. I still did anything exactly. with legs. I came back and I got first in the nation in yeah. the following year, you know, like in, in cruiser. And then I ended up third in the nation on 20 inch. So it's, you can definitely work through an injury. And if you have the right mentality, you can come back faster than you even were when you fell so, yeah, or when you got injured. That's completely what I'm trying to trying to tell these people too. Like it don't use your injuries as an excuse. Use them as a a different direction. That's where the psychological component is just is so big is that you know like yes, you are going to fall. You're going to fall 8 times. You damn well better get up 9. You know, yeah. and you better keep going. And that's another thing that was so great about BMX is that you know like when we fell, when we got up, it was like I'm going to get up. I'm going to try that again. And this guy, Nick Britt, that we were talking back and forth with, I've seen him eat it bad. Like he was one of the first people I saw fall over like a 30 foot plus jump. Oh yeah. And like completely knocked himself woozy, broke his collarbone and everything gets up, snaps his forks. I remember that it was actually, it was when we had the triple coming out of the first turn snaps his forks and he like completely like clay all down his face and everything like blood all over the place, broken collarbone. He's like, I want to do it again. (laughs) <laughs> and we're like, no, you have a broken collarbone. You can't do it again. And he was younger than us at the time. So he's like, yeah, I want to do it again. And we're like, no, you can't. You know, like, I don't think you're physically able to. And it's like, that's the mentality of an extreme sports athlete. That's the mentality of a BMX racer. Don't tell us we can't because we will and we can. And, yep. you know, so and it's, I, uh, with my clients to this day, when they say can't, I call it the C word. And I'm not talking about the other C word. Yeah, no, it's a. It, I'll it's say a, the other one. I say that. I say it's a dirty four-letter word. You know, like stop saying that dirty four-letter word. I will literally tell them, do not say that. And you know what? I think I'm gonna go back to my old ways and start making people do push-ups for it because I don't. I don't care. Like I don't. I don't like the word because you're unable to currently. But if you remap right. your brain and figure out how you can visualize that, how you can do it, even if you physically think that you can't right now, that does not mean that you can't forever. Right. I mean, there are certain things you can't be. You can't be a fire truck, 
but you could be I, that, that was that was always my joke when I was in kindergarten. And they're yeah. like, "So what do you want to be? Fire truck?" <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. If I could be anything, I would want to be a fire truck. But somebody will prove that wrong one day. Yeah, yeah right. Futuristic like, podcast. You could technically be a fire truck if you put wheels well, on your hands and your feet. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is Halloween, so I'm sure there's somebody that's yeah, a fire truck. Right. That, you know what? F it. <laughs> I'm going to be a fire truck this year. Uh, like, what are you, a transformer? No, I'm a fire truck. <laughs> no, I'm just a truck. <laughs> uh, you're kind of a truck in a different way. It's just kind of... I'm a truck. Oh, you're a truck truck. <laughs> I'm a truck. <laughs> uh, no, but just remap like w- the way you're thinking. This this translates to everything. and this These are the things that we learned and why we're such good trainers and good at what we do is because we don't take no for an answer. We figure out a way that we can do it better. And if it's through injury or if it's through training that we we don't know or if we need to ask questions, we know we're going to find it online. Um, We're going to find somebody who can teach it to us. And that's what we're trying to translate to you. And Chuck's blank. He's just looking around. (laughs) No, the, the, The thing is, too, and that's another component about just being an athlete that I think a lot of people don't think of is the travel. You know, and yeah. and how that affects somebody, and you know, nowadays they're actually starting to focus on it more at a, you know, a professional level for sure. They're starting to you know have athletes bring their own bed sheets and their own yeah. curtains and to black out the room and stuff like that. So it's just. Uh, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're comfortable in a traveling situation and that you're able to get that rest and you're able to go to sleep the day before and you have all your food ready or you have places you're going to go to get food. Um, Keep it sim- uh, simple and similar. Yeah, just, I mean, look up look up your hotel and what's around it. That's probably the, the best advice I could say, you know, because then you can know after the race, I'm going to go here and I'm going to crash at my hotel. Um you know, stuff like that, or like look for a grocery store around yeah. you, you know, like that's another thing that we used to do all the time. Um, you know, and sometimes camping and everything could be miles away from the actual event. And you need to take that into consideration that not only do you need to get there on time, but you need to get there with enough time to warm up, to stretch out, you know, to, to focus on what your task at hand is and what you are need to do through the day. I have some horror stories about that. Um, there was, you know, I did a lot of off-road triathlons about six or seven years ago, and I got stuck in traffic on a major interstate and ended up at the campground when they were closed. And I should have made it, should have made it. But guess what happens? Get stuck in traffic. It's 10 o'clock when I get to the campground. They're closed. There's no spots. I can't, I mean, I like, I literally can't even get anywhere to sleep. So I drive 40 more minutes to, um, a hotel that I found randomly using my old school GPS and uh, ended up getting two, three hours of sleep, woke up the next day, flat tire, (laughs) flat tire on my bike. And so I get to the race literally enough time to go to the porta potty and take a shit and hop in the race. One of the worst starts of a race, no warm up, no nothing, didn't get to try out the course, um, no sleep, but luckily, ended up placing really well. Um, So it's better to not be in that situation. I I felt uncomfortable the whole race. Um, I felt like my time would have been a lot better had I got the adequate sleep and playing things out. But that is one thing to consider if you're traveling. And another thing too, uh, make sure that you know the elevation of your race. If you're in uh, into more of the extreme sports, the elevation changes. So like if you're talking uh, downhill mountain biking, 
uh, or, you know, like I was talking about off-road triathlons, I've raced at 5,000 feet going up to 9,000 feet. And if you're training at uh, ground level, like flat Midwest or Florida, uh, you need to do some altitude training and also maybe go ahead of time to get acclimated, which we talked about on a previous podcast too. Yeah. And I mean, that's a huge thing to actually talk about is that it, it might not even be altitude. There's a lot of factors, weather. you know, weather. Um, I mean, even in BMX tracks, we had to think about what the, how steep the starting hill was to know yeah. what gear to run or, you know, how long the track that, yeah. is, you know, if it has big jumps, if it has small jumps, if you're going to be pedaling more coming out of the turns, if the jumps are, have big gaps in between them, you know, those are all things that you need to take into consideration. How their clay was too. Was big. Yeah. And, and the these are all are factors and, and those are big things. And that helps actually, that helped me, you know, think about elements and things that I had to focus on in my triathlons and everything, because I didn't realize, you know, like, or I was like, Oh, okay, well, I'm going to be at this beach. We're going to be swimming this direction. So the waves are going to be coming in from this side. So I'm going to be breathing more on this side. Da, 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 da. Yep. So it, it just, it helps you gear your training better around the elements that you're going to face. Yeah, and I think that would translate to a lot of the other sports, you know, because eventually what will happen if you're like us, you'll you'll want to do your extreme sport, but to a lesser degree. And so you'll end up doing triathlons or you'll end up doing marathons, which we're going to talk about. I promise we've 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 got to narrow down our marathon talk, man, because we both ran marathons and we have. A bunch of friends that have run marathons and we have an ultra marathoner that wants to talk but we have not narrowed down who we're going to talk to about this marathon thing maybe multi-part is that what we talked about yeah i think we're going to have a, a probably multiple guests and talk about different aspects of the the marathon training and endurance well, I training think, i think that's an, the mental component again i don't know why i'm stuck on this mental component but it applies so well to marathon training because all you're doing and for me in a marathon i'm just in my head the whole time and the biggest thing wasn't the pain of the actual physical part of it. It was the mental component of just getting over like, hey, you can make it, you can make it. And I think that is kind of like the big uh, the big thing that people can't prepare for because it only happens in the moment. It's not usually in your training. It's in the moment. Yeah, and that's what happens. That's what... That's what happens when you mature as an athlete, you mm -hmm. know, is that the more experience, the more times you see those factors and how a race is ran or how an event is ran, even being a bodybuilder and stuff, you know, the, just being familiar with the different components of, you know, the training that's necessary of the actual event itself, you know, and the order that things go in, um, you know, those are all things that, that contribute, uh, you know, to how well you're going to, you're going to actually perform on a race to race basis. Yeah. Um, so I think we've, we've had enough on this. If you guys, um, if you're younger athletes, let's say, cause we've both talked about how we matured through the sport. If you're a younger athlete and you're, you're looking for more guidance on, you know, maybe BMX racing specifically or mountain biking or any of the extreme sports you're doing. Um, and you want some training that actually goes along with that. Please hit us up. We love to look into other sports. You know, like I've done some rock climbing and, like I said, some some snow sports, some boarding. Uh, surfing is one thing that we both are very passionate about. And we do a lot of. Um, but if you want something as far as a workout plan that will help you develop a little bit better and become stronger and also help with um, the less sports specific parts of your training, please hit us up. We love to look into it. We love to help you develop something that works for you. Yeah, and that's the the biggest missing component in a lot of sports training is mm -hmm. uh, the actual lifting components and the actual yep. gym application. Um, a lot of people 
train improperly in the gym for their sport and that's like what parker's talking about is we know the ins and outs of both endurance sports power sports um speed agility and quickness sports i mean whether no matter what it is we've seen it you know and that's kind of what we try to pride ourselves on is being well versed and being able to address any situation just the same and with the same amount of confidence to help you guys achieve your goals yeah and we would love to um to help you develop something that works definitely for those goals Okay. On that note, on that you're, note, you're like blank today. You're just like, Ooh. I'm just trying. To, I'm trying to think a little bit more of what what to say. I, I, there's a lot of stuff that comes to mind, you know, when we'll we talk about extreme this. sports, and especially. But I, I'm just, to- I'm really just thinking of my friends, you know, especially after we had a few of them jump online here, yeah. um, you know, and how we can pick their brains about how they focused on different things. Because like Mike Capus was following us for a little bit. He's yeah. won national titles and everything as a professional. So yeah. uh, it's a uh, and Jason Bennett too. He's another yeah. one that's won national titles. Uh, Nick Britt. He was a phenomenal racer full of skill and talent you know and just uh, always had a a cool and collective attitude you know so these are people that we might be able to pick their brain in different components that they were stronger in yeah reach out to us guys if you uh if you're listening to this reach out to us we'd love to talk to you more about it and this isn't the first time you're going to hear us talk about our extreme sport background we've done it before in podcasts and we're going to go into some more depth when we figure out some more stuff with it um but definitely Holy shit, that was a semi. This <laughs> shouldn't even have semis. <laughs> right? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> you know that podcast where they're talking about like background noise? I know. Like, I I've been wasting I've been waiting for somebody to just like completely ride their butt cheeks across this window. Here. Seriously. Like I'm just waiting for it. If you see this on Facebook Live, we have giant windows surrounding us. So you could it, it's like NBC, the morning show. Yeah, they right. come up to us and fans. Like, we need yeah. some of our, our friends and fans to come hold <laughs> yeah. signs outside the window for us some night. So um but guys, all right, so listen up. This is something we have an address. How do you follow us on Apple Podcasts? You know, you know of our website, FAQFitnessPodcast.com nice and simple yep we've talked about apple podcasts though so go to apple podcasts open it up go to the search bar look at look us up just like you've never looked us up before it's faq fitness podcast it'll come up for sure it's one of the first ones that comes up we have plenty of episodes go below that click the podcast not the podcast episodes but the, at the very bottom left of that next page you're going to see fitness or fact fitness podcast click that it'll come up if you're not subscribed click subscribe. You'll be able to get updates on when we actually release these videos that we show on Facebook Live. You'll get the full unedited version or full edited version on your Apple Podcasts. Also, right below that, there's a review tab. So click that tab, write us a review, all right? So click write a review, rate us five stars, and we will give you a free meal plan, okay? So in order to get that meal plan, you'll have to go to our Fact Fitness Podcast page and go to the meal plan tab. From there, you'll fill out the food survey and you'll receive your meal plan. Again, we mentioned this is a $50 value, so check it out, follow those instructions, You know, maybe track back a little bit on this podcast and so that you can hear it again, and just follow it step by step and it'll help us out, we'll help you guys out, and we'll all have a good day. Yeah, I think you guys should really check it out. Um, It'll give you some more insight. Even if you're really good with your meal plan, this has made me rethink about what I buy. And uh, it gives you a shopping list and it's really cool. You can pick the type of diet that you want. If you want more protein focused, um, more fat focused, you can pick those things. So it's something to try out and uh, just follow Chuck's instructions. Go back, re-listen to it, give us a review. We need some reviews. It'd be nice. And we'll help you guys out.
Yeah, you guys have been great. We really appreciate everything. And we're looking forward to keeping in touch with you guys and teaching you some more. Yep. Sounds good. Adios. Peace. Love and fitness. (laughs) (laughs) God. Thank you for listening to FAQ Fitness Podcast. If you liked our show, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. For more workout programs, video resources, and to ask your fitness questions, check out our website at faqfitnesspodcast.com. 